Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. We're so glad you're here with us today. Uh, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And of course, I'm joined every week by my wonderful co-host, the one and only Rick Stevens, who is our editor-in-chief and founder here at Rocket Sports Media. How are you today? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having me. D- did you have a choice? I was going <laughs> to say, I'm, well, I guess I'm here every gi- week, so. <laughs> it's a given. It's a given. Wouldn't be well, the same without you. thanks for having you. me anyway, you know. <laughs> um, my goodness, um, I, it's Wednesday today. Uh, I feel like my head is spun around on its axis four times this week. There's just so much happening. Um within the hockey world, I mean, not to mention, I mean, the real world out there is crazy enough, but the hockey world, uh, we've had a lot of media calls this week. We've got uh, plenty coming up today, but my goodness, what a jam-packed week it's been. It has been. Um, lots of lots of news in the hockey world, uh, some kind of wrap-up news and, and um, other news as we look ahead to seeing what's going to happen if um, the NHL season resumes. I know. And I feel that, you know, the speculation about that seems to change every day as different reports come out and different sources give their two cents. So we still really don't know what's going to happen with that, but we do know that we've got a stacked show for you today. Um, We promised last week that, uh, you know, we had, we had the Laval Rockets kind of post-mortem, uh, abrupt end of the season media call with Joel Bouchard. And we broke all of that down for all of you Canadians fans. Well, we have, but we promised our flyers and phantoms fans that we would have uh, just as much information for you regarding the Lehigh Valley phantoms. And we keep our promises Uh, in our first segment though. We are going to visit uh, Laval just briefly uh, and uh, talk to you a little bit about a media call that we were on today with Caden Primo uh, after he was named to the AHL All-Rookie team this week. So we do have some audio and some insight on what Caden Primo had to say today. And then we'll launch uh, full force into the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. We had an extended media call with the Phantoms yesterday, uh, speaking with Scott Gordon, Morgan Frost, Isaac Ratcliffe, Alex Lyon, and Mark Friedman. It was a fantastic call. So we've got a couple of highlights for you from that and and some analysis of of what happened in that call and and the things that were said. Uh, That's all in our first segment. And then right into our second segment where we go around the AHL. And we've got a great segment for you there as well, because we've got our uh, special guest interview uh, today, our friend Patrick Williams, uh, the AHL correspondent at NHL.com. He'll be here with us today to talk about uh, what it means that the AHL has has now officially ended the season and the Calder Cup will not be awarded this year and kind of that that limbo that now some players are in and just talk a little bit in general about some some news around the AHL and and where they go from here. Uh, and then finally, in our third segment, we go beyond the AHL. We've got a little ECHL news for you, a little bit of OHL news for you, and of course can't leave you without a feel-good finale today so my goodness rick from top to bottom we have got a great show full of information for our for our listeners today and not even enough room for a top five 
No, we no. Last week we said, okay, we'll get to it next week. Well, the hockey gods have deemed that you must wait another week for the top five because <laughs> there was just there. They said no. There is too much hockey news. You must get to all the hockey. That's what the people want. We know they want the top five, but we got hockey first. Which we're hey, we're not complaining. We we love having hockey news to talk about. So top five will return. It just you know it means you just have to keep coming back to find out when it's finally going to happen. With that being said, let's first, um, since since this is a little bit of a briefer topic, we'll we'll talk uh, just briefly here about Caden Primo, the rookie goaltender for the Laval Rocket. Uh, he was named this week to the AHL All Rookie Team, uh, along with defensemen Joey Keane and Brogan Rafferty, and forwards Alex Formanton, Josh uh, Josh Norris, and Jack Stanicka. Um, so. Caden Primo took some time today to get on a phone call on a conference call with the media. Uh, and Rick, we spent about a half an hour, uh, close to half an hour on the line with, with Caden Primo. He sounds still pretty laid back like Caden Primo usually sounds in his interviews. Um, but I guess the first thing I want to do is just play a little bit of audio from him to kind of set the stage, which this is Caden Primo talking about, um, you know, he said he was he was quite honored to be named to the to the all rookie team. But when asked about how he felt his season overall went, here's what he had to say. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of ups and downs. Um, you know, I, I felt like I went into the year, um, you know, pretty pretty well, doing pretty well, and then um, took a uh, I don't want to say a downward. Turn, but uh, I started not playing as well and, and not doing my best. Um, and then towards the end, I started to pick it back up again. So um, being able to have that experience um, and trying to figure out how to how to be consistent um, was huge. So, uh, Rick, your thoughts on first of all your your reaction to his response there and how it's obviously a, a a struggle for him to talk about the 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 low parts of the season for him. Uh, not not easy for him to just kind of get through that. Uh, so your reaction to that statement, and then uh, just in general, how you what what your thoughts were on the primo call today? Well, this is a this is a nice honor for him. It might be uh, an unexpected honor for him, and and certainly was uh, to me and 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 many others who follow the AHL. That's not to say he had a, a a poor season. I think he's he said it quite well. He had an up and down season, and he doesn't want to say it. <laughs> I can understand being a goaltender. <laughs> he doesn't want to say it, but he had some. He had two really tough stretches. Um, from about the end of November to the end of December. Um, he didn't win a game for a month. He went with five straight losses. Um, and uh, there, let's say he, I'll get to the stats. Uh, he had 33 games that he played in, a decent record, 17, 11, and three. Uh, uh, goals against of 2.45, um, which is which led all rookies. A 908 save percentage. Um, you want to see a little bit better than that, or or maybe substantially better than that. But part of that is, um, you know, in that stretch, seven of, of 11 games, 
he had given up four goals or more. Uh, 11 games is a good chunk of his, his season, a third of his season. So uh, he struggled in, in those starts um, from the end of January to mid February. He had six straight losses and, and, and not on him. Uh, it's the, the team around him as well, particularly the, the period in February Laval wasn't playing well. Um, so he's got these ups and downs and, and as, as he called them and, and, and uh, to make that next jump, he has to have more consistency. He has to be a little bit more dominant at the, uh, or quite a bit more dominant and improve that save percentage at the uh, AHL level. And, and that's why he's well suited to, to spend at least one more full season, um, if not more, uh, with the Laval Rocket. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, he, he talked about the fact that he's uh, he kind of in, enjoyed having an, a, a few different uh, goalie partners, um, whether he was playing in the AHL or the NHL uh, this year, that he could kind of soak in a little bit from each one that he spent some time with and, and try to learn from them. Um, I thought it was funny. Someone asked him, uh, in fact, I think it was uh, our friend Raphael Doucette from 919 asked him how his dad, Keith Primo reacted upon hearing the news that he had made the all rookie team. And it was a little understated. He said, Oh, oh, he, you know, he was happy about it. He congratulated me and then basically said, what's next. So <laughs> typical uh, former NHLer, like, okay, that's great. Now, now get back to work. Um, thought that was pretty funny um the the one thing that I asked uh Caden Primo was we talked a little bit last week Rick about how uh Dave Andrews had mentioned that in speaking with most of the teams that a lot of them had conducted their exit interviews already and a lot of them were already starting to help compile uh, lists for their NHL affiliates um as to who would be best to tap for a potential expanded black aces squad or taxi squad for if, and when the NHL season resumes uh, in any significant way. Um, And so as you appropriately mentioned last week that, uh, you know, any team that is going to do that will need absolutely uh, to to carry three goaltenders. uh, If there's an injury or God forbid someone gets sick, uh, you'll need to have a third goaltender. So um, I asked Caden Primo today, what are you doing to keep yourself just in general, you know, healthy and fit and, and training to the best of your ability um, during this, this now off season, but also knowing that it's possible that you could get the call to come join the NHL team. If that season uh, renews, he did mention that today he's at his, his, home residence in New Jersey. He did mention that today is the first day since the shutdown uh, started back in March that he got on the ice. Uh, he says the longest time that he's ever spent um, not having been on the ice, but he did get on the ice today for the first time. And here's the rest of what he said about how he's keeping himself prepared for whatever's coming. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I've been riding uh, the bike trying to stay fit in that aspect and um, doing uh, some some body weight exercises as well as, um, you know, making sure I'm on top of stretching and, and stuff like that, um, which I think as a goalie is, is the biggest thing because um, uh, your hips and your groins um, will start to 
film uh, as much as you were. So, um, yeah, those have been my main focuses. And um, I think, uh, you know, now that everyone is, is kind of in, in the same position, there's a, there's a bunch of um, uh, workouts and, and different types of ways to stay active that, that people are posting on social media and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, just getting inspiration from, from those people and just trying to have fun with it as well. So it sounds, Rick, like he's doing um, all the right things. Interesting thing to note that I did preface in that question the mention of potentially needing to be ready to to be part of a taxi squad or Black Aces squad, and he didn't touch that at all in his answer. Um, you know, didn't he just kind of basically took took the part of well, here's just what I'm doing to try to stay active and exercise, and and um, you know, I don't know if that's a kind of a mental thing for for him as a goaltender. Like, I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to talk about it unless I know it's going to happen, kind of thing. But but he stayed pretty far away from that topic. But um, sounds like he's doing just what everyone's doing right now and trying to, to, to be creative and find different ways of, of staying in shape. It, it really um, stuck out to me and, and it did because uh, there was quite a different reaction um, when I listened to the, the, um, the Phantoms uh, press conference, that was something right. that, that many of them talked about openly, the Black Aces. Mm-hmm. And, and for our listeners, we should mention that taxi squad we're talking about, the Black Aces. Black Aces have always been attached to the, the playoffs of NHL teams, and it's traditional for the uh, NHL teams in the playoffs to bring up uh, players from the AHL. Um, particularly important this year uh, coming back because, um, as you said, they, you know, there could be more of an opportunity for um, injury or, or um, uh, as you said, unfortunately, if someone uh, were to test positive. So, um, you know, people have been talking about a 30 to 35 uh, um, man roster, that those eight to 10 players coming from the, uh, the AHL. And um, Caden Primo has to be one of those players. Um, mm-hmm. But it sounds like to me, uh, and this is just the way I'll interpret it. And, and, and actually it follows along with, uh, what we've known throughout the season is the Flyers communicate differently to their prospects, differently to their AHL players than the Montreal Canadiens do. And it didn't well, sound like uh, Caden Primo was prepared to answer that question, uh, nor no. did he have, I didn't get the sense that he had any information about <laughs> uh, a Black Aces squad for the Canadians. That's unfortunately probably very true. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, may, maybe now he'll be thinking about it more. <laughs> more, uh, not not too sure. Was there anything else that really uh, before we before we wrap this up and and uh, this this part of the segment up to move on to that Phantoms uh, teleconference that we had? Was there anything else that really stuck out to you uh, in in Primo's interaction with the media today? Two little quotes, and um, it was when he got away from uh, – Caden Primo is is a cliché master already. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't really usually see that in the AHL, but coming from uh, an NHL family, uh, he's got all the, the, the stock clichés ready to you – know, chips will fall where they may, trust the process, all of the, the regular canned stuff. 
but he did. I thought it was interesting uh, when asked about uh, the new goaltender that was signed, uh, Demchenko. He said his quote was, "I do not know much about the goalie. Sorry." And for someone, and, and I, I was okay. I, I'm I'm waiting for the next part. I'm looking forward to meeting him. I'm looking forward to working with him. <laughs> it was it was nothing. Uh, Caden Primo's focused on Caden Primo. Uh, but the other part of it uh, that uh, the other quote that I, I really liked was that he uh, he was asked who influenced him most this past year, who helped him most. Uh, and he was quick to uh, compliment Marco Mar- Marciano, goaltender coach and video coach for the Laval Rocket, uh, who often uh, doesn't get enough attention uh, for the very good work that he does. And, and mm-hmm. uh, Caden said that Marco had helped him a lot, that the two of them had gotten on got along very well and that uh, Caden was looking forward to spending uh, more time with Marco uh, next season. Absolutely. And uh, I agree. uh, Marco deserves a lot of credit uh, for the work that he does in helping to develop the, the young goaltenders in the Canadians organization. Uh, There is, Lots more audio from the Caden Primo press conference today. Uh, we recorded the whole thing. So uh, be on the lookout in the next uh, 24 hours uh, at ahlreport.com. We'll have a post, uh, uh, an article there with a brief summary, and then uh, a full audio file of the entire interview. So you can hear for yourself right from the source what Caden Primo had to say today upon, uh, you know, the announcement that he had made the all rookie team and, and of course answer questions uh, from the press uh, about his season in general, his summer training and, and what he's hoping to accomplish next season. So be sure to look out for that AHLreport.com in the next uh, either today or tomorrow. And uh, you will find that there. Be sure to share it with all of your friends. Um, Now we did just talk about switching gears over to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Now Um, I have to say uh, their media call yesterday was phenomenally organized. Um, tip of the hat, stick tap to Mike Ionello, uh, who is who's the the media coordinator for the Phantoms. Did a great job. It was a Zoom meeting um, and really well organized. Um, and we got to speak to uh, to a lot of personnel. Uh, it was it was really well done. Um, and as we were just talking about how um, teams likely have done exit interviews teams will have needed to start thinking about who you know whether their their management or coaches at the AHL or NHL level have to start having an idea of of who would be the the targets for those expanded rosters um and so that's exactly what I asked Scott, Scott Gordon when I had an opportunity to ask him a question yesterday was um you know have have you talked to most of the players and have you started to uh, kind of get an idea of of who should be targeted to to make that expanded roster. And uh, here's what Scott Gordon had to say in response. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously there's going to be limitations with the numbers uh, to some extent, which we don't know. Is it going to be you know, is it going to be 30 players? Is it going to be 28 players? Um, you would think that whoever it was going to be would be players that had been called up at some point during the year that would be under consideration. Um, but nothing's written in stone as far as that goes. Um, the communication that I had with the players was actually what would be um, described as uh, end-of-the-season meetings, uh, exit meeting, um, 
you know, just to give a little closure to the season, obviously it's, it's not your typical situation, but um, like I said, I've, I've, in the last two days, I've spoken to uh, probably 90% of the players and, and uh, I have a few more I got to catch up with. And um, that would be our exit meeting. So as, as you rightly said, Rick, you know, it seems the Flyers organization is right on top of things. Um, Gordon's, already thinking about all of those types of things. Interesting. I thought it was interesting though, when, when pushed on it a little farther, he, he readily admitted like, you know, they don't need a, you know, Chuck Fletcher, Brent Flair, that was kind of, that they don't need a ton of input for me, from me on, on who would make that expanded squad because they see us a lot. They keep in communication with us a lot. Um, he talks to Brent Flair a couple times a week, every week, uh, and so on and so forth. So um, it sounds like they're pretty well organized over there. But I, I did – it's it's one of the things that we've always said that we've liked about the management system within the Flyers organization and the Phantoms organization, and that Scott Gordon runs a pretty tight ship. Um, and uh, I, I was pleased with his response in, in how how far along the process they, they seem to already be. Well, it's it's a different way of running things, and uh, as as you said, um, uh, Scott Gordon uh, was very much involved throughout the season when players were called up, and as you said, uh, um, he he um, confirmed again that he talks to Brent Flair a couple times a week. Um, where on the Canadian side, it's uh, we've heard uh, several times. In fact, it was confirmed rather recently uh, where. Um, uh, Jean Bouchard said that uh, no, he has nothing to do with the call-ups. Um, uh, that that's that that's decided solely uh, by Mark Bergevin and Claude Julien. Um, and so perhaps uh, when when building that the the expanded roster, uh, Joel Bouchard hasn't been uh, involved in that, and and uh, and then the players wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be um, up to date on it. So I th- I think it perhaps just a, a reflection of, of a different management style in the two organizations. Now, just to contrast, uh, I have another quote from, from Scott Gordon coming up, but I'm going to hold off on that just for a second, because while we just got done speaking about Caden Primo and, and his own self-assessment of his season and what he's doing in the off season to keep himself in shape and the things he needs to work on um, as a contrast to that, Alex Lyon, we've said this many times on this program, is is always a spectacular interview. He's very uh, intellectual. He thinks the game very deeply um, and is, takes his own training very seriously. Um, and so when asked about, um, I'd asked him, despite the fact that the Phantoms, at the end of the season, let's let's face it, they weren't they weren't thinking that they were about to go on a, on a playoff run. Uh, unfortunately, the Phantoms had a pretty difficult season this year. Uh, Scott Gordon had mentioned actually yesterday that um, he, he had one of the most difficult seasons as far as call-ups and injuries. He said, you know, there was at one point he thought in January that where there was 11 or so players out of the lineup that he would usually count on because they were out with injury or they were called up to Philadelphia. So um, I think that had a little bit to do that massive inconsistency in the roster and the loss of talent constantly. While as, as Rick, you, you 
rightly said yesterday, is a testament to to Gordon and staff's um, ability to develop the players really well to transition to the NHL. Um, made for a difficult season, I think, uh, in, in terms of coaching and the product on the ice. But despite all of that, Alex Lyon had a very good season this year. He put up good numbers. Uh, he had some really great performances. He was pretty clutch at times. Um, and so wanted a kind of a, his own self-appraisal of his season. And uh, here is what he had to say about that. I was pleased with myself, certainly, that, you know, I, I think I kept my head above water. But that I, there's also just – there's just – always so much room for improvements. And um, it's, it's just like the farther I get into it, it's almost like the less, the smarter you get, the less, you know, as a goalie. And I think, you know, in any profession probably. Um, and so I just feel like I have so much more to work on, so much more to improve on. Um, I think, I mean, already I've tried to take strides. I'm going to try and play uh, quite a bit lighter next year and uh, more mobile. I'm really trying to work on my mobility. Um, but it's, I mean, I guess I just look at it in terms of like, all right, the things that I'm good at, let's make sure that they stay great and let's try and get them better. The things that I'm bad at, which is a laundry list of things, let's try and, you know, bump those up the things that I'm mediocre at, let's try to make them really good and solid. So I think that you're always trying to improve all areas of your game. I have to, I, it makes me, it makes me smile just listening to that again, because yesterday just listening to that live, it just, it made me chuckle out loud because he's, he's brutal in his own self-assessment when, you know, uh, there's a laundry list of things that I'm, that I'm really bad at, you know, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's nice to see that kind of humility um, with, with a professional athlete. And um, I, I thought that was, I thought it was a very, once again, mature outlook from Alex Lyon. Alex Lyon is, is very mature. He's very bright. Um, mm-hmm. As you said, intellectual, um, reminds me, and I've said this before, reminds me a lot of Charlie Lindgren um, in how they approach the game, how they see the game, how the vi- their vision, um, not necessarily their style, but, but uh, the, the kind of person they are. Alex Lyon is, is introspective. Uh, he's analytical. He's thinking man's goal again. And uh, as he said, sometimes that gets him into trouble because it's harder to get as you know and, and uh, where, um, you know, I've complained about, about uh, can cliches, uh, it's very different the kinds of, and again, reminds me of Charlie Lindgren, the, the motivational quotes uh, that Alex Lyon yeah. has. Uh, he's, he comes up with those all the time. And, and it's kind of, you can almost, um, they come out as a, as a mantra for him. Um, he was talking about uh, being healthy uh, throughout the, uh, the entire season. And uh, his quote there was availability is the best ability. Uh, and you can see that these are quotes that he's taken and he's internalized um, mm-hmm. and he's processed them into, you know, goals that he has for himself and standards he has, uh, he's set. Um, and it's, um, yeah, uh, he always a good interview uh, just, just because he's such a, a smart player who really sees um, sees the game well, but also uh, is able to uh, see himself um, and and be self-analytical. Now, when 
asked Scott Gordon, I should say, when Scott Gordon was asked, you know, his assessment of, of the development of his younger players this year, um, Rick, I think you and I were both pretty pleased to see that his, his response was that Isaac Ratcliffe, he believes, was the most improved player uh, this year. And we've talked about this repeatedly throughout the season that uh, a lot of people, in, in fact, even when, when I've made appearances, um, you know, on, on Snow the Goalie or um, a couple of other uh, Flyers podcasts, you know, a lot of times we get asked, um, what's the deal with Ratcliffe? His numbers don't look great. Um, and we've repeated it over and over and over again this year that Isaac Ratcliffe is a, is a firm believer that um, while he would like to have the kind of productivity he had in junior, he understands that he's playing a different game now, uh, now that he's gone pro, and that he just wants to work on those little details in his game. And so, you know, keep improving those, keep improving himself, and that eventually the points hopefully will come. So it was really rewarding, at least for me, to see that Scott Gordon – also saw that in him and that, that he felt that Ratcliffe was the most improved player. In fact, this is what Gordon had to say about his assessment of Isaac Ratcliffe this year. Well, his numbers don't show it, but I, I'd have to say that Isaac Ratcliffe would probably be the most improved player, just given where he came from at the start of the year with his struggles, uh, you know, playing uh, against uh, bigger players and learning to have to protect the puck, uh, possession, puck possession, and being able to use his body along the boards in both the defensive zone and the offensive zone. And uh, by the end of the year, you know, all of a sudden he started getting more offensive chances. He was one of our regular penalty killers and uh, had become a pretty reliable player for us. So I would expect that uh, next year um, we'd see a lot uh, more improvement in the offensive categories because a lot of the things that he struggled with will now be in place that weren't there at the start of the year. And Rick, that to me, that, that all makes sense. I, I, you know, it's, it's obvious that Scott Gordon sees the long-term potential uh, for Isaac Ratcliffe and, and understood that this was, um, this was a marathon, not a sprint for this player. And that, that he made some really good progress this year. He did make good progress. And, and, you know, as an outsider watching the, the Flyer fan base, there was an awful lot of grousing about uh, Isaac Radcliffe. And you have a, a player who comes from Guelph, uh, that, that magical run that they had uh, to the OHL championship. And Isaac Radcliffe uh, has 30 points in, in 15 playoff games. Uh, over the season, he's a 50-goal scorer, 82 points in 65 games. And, and Phantoms fans, Flyers fans are saying, where's that offense? Um, mm-hmm. and, and he ended up with 15 points. But as I said on this podcast uh, very early uh, in the season, the, the type of player that he was in the OHL, um, he was imposing, 6'6", 200 pounds, um, and he had his way. He could be... Uh, intimidating and physically dominant, um, um, you know, without, without having to try hard with without having to have a lot of strength. And, and when he came to the, the AHL, there were other big players, there were other very strong players and he had a big adjustment to, to make. And, and he confirmed that when, when we, when we posed the question. Um, so I was, you could see his his uh, progress throughout the year, and I was pleased to hear Scott Gordon um, say that um, 
that, again, another smart player, Isaac Radcliffe, who um, is able to be critical of himself, to focus on detail, to listen to the coaching staff, and to make those improvements uh, that he made. And he made them steadily throughout the year um, and uh, should be a much more dominant force on the offensive side uh, next season. Absolutely. And and that was actually the question that I had, had posed to him was, okay, so how are you able to not get ahead of yourself and and not bog yourself down with worrying about the fact that the points aren't coming this year and just focus on those little details? And his answer is a little lengthy, uh, but I really think it's worthwhile to to hear it. So I'd like you to hear what he had to say about um, about keeping his eye on his game and those little details and the maturity in his response of, of knowing that the role that's coming up for him in the NHL might be a little different than what he envisioned, but that that's okay. Yeah. Well, I can really just attest that to all the people that I've worked with over the years. I mean, going back to my junior hockey career, I had so many great coaches that kind of um, helped me more in practice rather than in games and, um, it was just little things in practice going back. Uh, one of my mentors that I like to call him, and uh, he's kind of like a big brother to me, uh, Luca Caputi, who played uh, a few years in the NHL and, and kind of went through a same, the same process that I did in junior as well. But um, he would just kind of work with me in practice on little things and little, little areas of my game. And um, we kind of knew that there was going to be times, especially when I was younger playing junior, that, uh, I mean, that production wasn't going to be there. And um, we always just talked about, I mean, if you can't score, you got to be able to do something else. And um, again, I heard that again this year uh, from Coach Gordon. And um, there was a speech that we watched and um, just kind of really, if you're not going to be able to score, if you're not going to be able to contribute offensively, you got to bring something else to the game. And um, that's what I tried to focus on this year. And I know that uh, it was tough for me to find the back of the net a few times. And, and sometimes I felt a little snake bitten. And um, it was uh, it was difficult for me at some points, but uh, I kind of realized at the end of the day, I mean, I mean, if I'm not going to be an offensive guy, there's still, I mean, a ton of roles in the NHL that uh, need to be filled. And um, there's a ton of guys in the NHL who aren't offensive guys that have made a great living for themselves on playing defensively, playing on the penalty kill, or even playing offensively in, in the offensive, offensive zone just as a big guy. And um, that's kind of what I want to find myself too as and um, hopefully as I get more comfor- comfortable and like I said, I get a little bit more confidence. Hopefully I can bring that, uh, that point production to that as well and have all those other aspects of my game just to make myself a better player. For me, I think that quote alone, I wish every Flyers fan could hear it um, because it's such a mature outlook and my gosh, it should get you really excited about the player that's coming in Isaac Ratcliffe when he makes it to Philadelphia. Um, There's actually, and and I should also mention that there's a, there's also um, as we mentioned with the with Caden Primo's media call today, there is a ton of audio from uh, yesterday's press call. We haven't actually even gotten you any clips uh, from Morgan Frost or Mark Friedman. Uh, the the full call lasted over an hour. It was filled with tremendous information. So again, be on the lookout uh, probably within the next 24 hours at ahlreport.com, uh, and we will have an article there with. Uh, interviews of all five of those uh, folks that we spoke to uh, yesterday, as, as well as other members of the media, uh, including our special guest who's coming up right after, uh, after our break here. Patrick Williams was on that call as well. Uh, so you'll hear some great questions and a lot of great answers. So be sure to 
keep on AHLreport.com for that post, as well as the post with the full audio from Primo's media call this afternoon. Uh, right now, we're going to take one quick break on the other side of those commercials. As we said, we've got a great special guest here with us today. Patrick Williams is here uh, returning to the show. We're looking forward to talking to him about the AHL end of the season and uh, what comes next. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And, of course, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the AHL Report. That is the place to go to get all of the latest news as it happens around the AHL throughout the week, uh, as well as links to all of that special content we've been talking about, as well as uh, you know Chris G's notepads that come out about the Rocket, uh, all sorts of great stuff. So be sure you're following us at the AHL Report. Of course, now... Now, we are happy to bring back to the show, welcome back to the show, our, our dear friend and colleague, Patrick Williams from NHL.com. Patrick, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, welcome back. We're glad to have you. Great. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I guess the biggest thing that we should start with is just your uh, your take and your insight on, you know, the 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 writing was on the wall for weeks. Uh, that that it was pretty likely that the AHL was going to need to cancel the season. But once it finally happened and the announcement was made, what what really do you feel is the reverberation through throughout the league um, and and what it's the significance of it for the AHL? Yeah, I was thinking about the last time I was on, on this show at the end of January and uh, it was just after the All-Star game. And, and you know, by mm-hmm. AHL standards, it really, I mean, you know, over the course of 84 years in this league, uh, this league was probably the most stable place it had ever been. Uh, they were uh, all set to announce that uh, being more with the Palm Springs situation. And, uh, you know, they had just finished an all-star game in, in, in California for the first time. Um, attendance was doing well, uh, so on and so forth. And uh, three and a half months later, here we are. Uh, the season's canceled. Uh, the San Antonio Rampage were sold, which is obviously the major loss of the league. And I think the biggest ramification coming out of this decision to cancel uh, the season is is what's next. Um, mm-hmm. That's where, uh, as big of a decision as it was to cancel the season, um, uh, in so many ways, uh, it, it almost just accelerated uh, the, the transition to this next step of, what now and 
Right. Nobody seems to have an answer to that, right? Up to and including Dave Andrews himself, who um, has certainly uh, found himself in quite the uh, strange situation as he wraps up his 26th and final season uh, running this league. Uh, you know, he put in so much work over the years to, to get it to a certain standard and get get it to a certain place. And this thing uh, comes out of the blue, really, uh, you know, in the past uh, number of months. And here we are. And um, I think the bottom line for the American League is, is the news is, is good in the sense that the NHL will always need a place to develop their prospects. So it's in everybody's interest, mm-hmm. be it NHL, AHL, whoever, uh, to keep this operation afloat, keep it strong and uh, maintain the standard that Dave Andrews and his staff have built over the last 26 years. So uh, that's, that's the, sort of the long and short of it, but uh, it's where the details uh, begin, that that's where the real questions are going to start. Dave Andrews, I think, is going to find himself maybe having a a bigger role than he expected to in the transition. Um, He wanted to ride off into the sunset. He's been very cognizant of of not looking over Strott Helson's shoulder uh, and giving him some space, but I think Strott Helson really – just as with anybody is going to need a lot more assistance here, uh, handling this situation, uh, you know, through the summer into the fall and really, uh, probably all the way through next winter and who knows where beyond that. So maybe just picking up on that, you, you said the AHL was the most stable that it, it, it's ever been. And, and, uh, that has come, uh, largely from, uh, the, the 26 years of, of effort from Dave Andrews. And, and um, I saw a tweet by um, Sean Rourke, um, NHL.com. And he said, what Dave Andrews did for the AHL is almost incalculable. The journey of the league from the mid nineties to today has changed the league for the better in virtually every aspect. Um, I just uh, leave it open to you to talk uh, a bit about uh, the legacy of Dave Andrews. I've been told by more than one, AHL executive, uh, team executives, that the AHL as we know today would not exist without Dave Andrews. Uh, he came in there in 1994. Uh, the entire model was, was really on shaky ground. Uh, there were a lot of uh, startling franchises. The geographic print footprint was limited to Atlantic Canada uh, primarily and uh, the northeastern United States, and it was, uh, for the most part, in a pretty precarious position. The other challenge there was the International Hockey League was really booming at the time, moving into any number of uh, large markets around uh, the United States uh, and Canada. And uh, Andrews had his work cut out for him. Uh, A lot of shaking ownership groups, uh, not well capitalized. And uh, first and foremost, he had to make uh, the league's priority to be player development. Uh, I think that was the first big step he took. Um, making that happen, uh, and that, that gave the league an edge over the IHL, which was largely a veteran lead at the time. And uh, eventually, the IHL came upon its own hard times uh, in the late '90s, early 2000s. Andrews brought uh, uh, those franchises over that were able to survive. Uh, really, uh, I think catapulted uh, a real geographic push into the U.S. Midwest. Uh, it added the Manitoba Moose, who uh, became one of the strongest franchises in the league, and it set set the stage for that 2015 expansion out west. Uh, but really, along the way, there were a lot of uh, a lot of difficult situations. Um, I think the way to sum up Andrew's legacy is he answers to 31 AHL clubs, 
the 31 NHL clubs, the NHL front office itself, and any number of uh, local, uh, provincial, state, uh, government officials as well. Um, so he he's always finds himself uh, with a fire to put out, uh, right up to and including uh, his final weeks in the position. And uh, that's always been his biggest strength is um, – He's very diplomatic and he's very pragmatic, and I think uh, uh, those those two uh, character traits serve him really well. Uh, this is a difficult business at the best of times. Uh, minor league sports is is not an easy way to make money for sure, and uh, there's a lot of challenges. And and really, even the last ten years, uh, just with all the other competing entertainment options that have come up, uh, the league has really had its work cut out for him, and yet the league still continues to survive and really grow in fact and um, that large part is due to Andrews and the staff that he's put in place in the lead office Uh, and uh, over the years if you look at the ownership groups that are already in place and the ownership groups that are coming in uh, right up to including uh, out uh, you know in Palm Springs with the likes of uh, the like Wiki Brothers and uh, AEG and uh, the Ophio group and Live Nation some really big uh, heavy hitters in the business um, uh, found themselves interested in in the AHL business, uh, and I think that speaks to what Dave Andrews has been able to to, to put into place. And uh, you know, to do it, uh, to carry it for the last quarter century, uh, and, and leave the league in a really good place, uh, the situation notwithstanding, I think uh, that will be his legacy when all is said and done. For me, um, like I said, I don't think this league uh, is in business and certainly is not in the current state it is uh, without Andrews uh, and everything he's done. Kind of going along with that, you know, you, you talk about how difficult uh, of a business it is to run a team in the AHL and much less the league in general. And, and that Andrews is probably going to need to be a lot more hands-on um, over the summer and next year than, than he anticipated being. Um, what's, What's your sense so far? You know, there's a there's so much up in the air now for next year. Not just and it and it's not just about when next year next season could begin. It's it's whether or not there will be fans in the building and and if there's not fans in the building, which franchises are sustainable and which which aren't uh, because of because of the you know the the financial stake uh, that's it in play due to not having the broadcasting revenue. So what's, what's really the sense that you're getting, whether it's from Dave Andrews office or just in general management and so forth that you speak to throughout the league of, of that anticipation and nervousness about what, what it's going to mean on a team to team basis for, for viability next year. That's one of the big concerns. Uh, So if you, if you look at the, 12 independently owned clubs, uh, 19 are owned by their NHL uh, parent team. So in, in a large part, they're more or less wrapped into the NHL operation and the cost is underwritten. But uh, those independently owned clubs are um, in a different boat, uh, you know, from one team to the next, it, it can vary, but uh, for the most part, they have to uh, pay their own way a lot more. Um, so that's the first issue. The second challenge here is, Many of those independently owned franchises are some of your strongest in the league. You're talking about the Hershey Bears, mm-hmm. the Bruins, uh, the uh, Syracuse Crunch, Chicago Wolves, Grand Rapids, Milwaukee, so on. Uh, some really, really well-run teams and, and uh, seven of the top ten teams in, 
in attendance this season are independently owned. So there's every incentive uh, to want those teams to play next season. And I think that's where the league finds itself. That's uh, um, the easy decision in a way would to simply have the 19 NHL owned clubs play and uh, have those, uh, you know, those 12 independently owned clubs uh, sit out next season if they want, uh, if fans are not allowed in the buildings. But I mean, there's a lot of uh, potential uh, pitfalls with that. Uh, if you disappear from from uh, really from the hockey radar for tw- twelve months, eighteen months, uh, however long it ends up being, um, mm-hmm. you're also going without revenues for that long time, and it's hard to maintain that fan connection. So I think Bleak uh, is going to do everything it can to have a full contingent, all 31 clubs playing next season. Um, there's been discussion about would there be split affiliations if uh, one club uh, can't play and. I suppose that could happen if, if necessary, but uh, I think that just raises all sorts of issues. Uh, so um, I think the other real interesting point is uh, if you did a shorter season next year, uh, clubs, I don't think a lot of clubs would necessarily mind losing some of that, uh, it, that expense uh, from those early season dates. Uh, you know, any of us that have been in an AHL building on a Sunday afternoon in the fall, uh, there's some pretty thin crowds there. Uh, some yeah. of those holiday right around Christmas time, uh, it's hard to get people in the building. So if you had to lose dates, those would not be the worst dates to lose and uh, come back maybe uh, sometime around the holidays or January and uh, do an abbreviated season. I think that could work. Uh, but um, the biggest challenge here right now is, um, uh, and Andrews has repeatedly mentioned this point and, and the word that he's used um pretty often has been the word nimble and uh, he thinks the league needs to be able to read and react uh, really quickly to different situations, um, both in terms of what the, the health situation is, but also the business atmosphere. And, and there's some real challenges here. There's 40 million people that are unemployed between uh, U S and Canada uh, right mm-hmm. now. A good portion of the fan base is uh, your middle-class working class families. And uh, a lot of those fans and uh, the businesses that they support are, are really in difficult times right now. And um, how much money there's going to be for hockey teams uh, next fall, next winter. I think it's not just a matter of whether fans are allowed. It's a uh, matter of will they be able to attend games. I think right. that's a big challenge. Um, uh, if, if your household budget is uh, uh, really tight right now, you're not thinking about buying um, uh, hockey tickets. So, uh, they have to figure that part out first. They also have to keep the NHL happy. That's always a, a major part of Andrew's job, uh, maybe the biggest part, quite frankly. Uh, and they also have to make the business work on their end of things. So uh, the NHL is uh, kind of in a really, really strange spot uh, uh, that really no other league um, finds itself in. Uh, if you're talking about the Canadian Hockey League, uh, they're accountable only to themselves and their own their own, uh, you know, finances. Same thing with the ACHL by and large. Um, the NHL, of course, calls their own shots. But the HL, you know, as is so often the case, is kind of that middle child. And they're, they're uh, kind of the ones that uh, get picked on by uh, younger younger siblings and the older siblings. So um, Andrew says to walk that line, Scott Hollison will have to walk that line. And um, they'll have to – like he said, just be nimble and flexible and uh, hang on here. Uh, the foundation is pretty strong, but right now uh, they're definitely in a, in a difficult uh, spot uh, for the short term, at least. 
With the end of the season uh, officially announced, um, we've now come to the positive announcements, and as of today we had the first and second uh, AHL All-Star teams. But I wanted to focus a bit on the the AHL All-Rookie team um, and to take advantage of having you here, I'm going to try and squeeze two, a two-parter in here. Um, when you look at the, the players that um, were selected for the, the all-rookie team, uh, the forwards being Formington uh, and Norris uh, from Belleville, Stanika from, from Providence, uh, the defenseman uh, Keane spent time in Hartford and Charlotte, uh, Rafferty from uh, Utica, is it a, a quick and dirty uh, analysis might say uh, that next year, whenever that is, we might have a chance of seeing the forwards in the NHL, but it's probably going to be um, a bit of time yet before we see. It's going to take a longer time for the defensemen to develop. My second part question uh, is is about Caden Primo, uh, named goaltender, and was that a bit of a surprise to you with his up-and-down season? Yeah, so the first first part of that is uh, forwards. Uh, generally, it goes in the order of uh, shortest to longest development time, forward, defense, goalie. Um, so that tracks pretty well with, uh, with this current group of rookies. Um, much more forgiving position for forwards uh, to make that jump to the NHL. I think you look at Jets, the Nietzsche, uh, uh, the way that he's progressed, uh, he came in as a, as a second rounder uh, into Providence uh, and already had a lot of potential and they were excited about him and he just took off. Uh, yeah, he was, he was a veteran player, uh, you know, rookie clothing for the most part. And um, he made that transition look really easy. Uh, you know, huge part of their PK fourth in the league. Uh, he led the league with uh, seven shorthanded goals. Uh, obviously Norris, uh, 31 goals this season. Uh, fantastic year. Same thing with Ferment and uh uh, just his speed is, is remarkable. But the defensively, yeah, uh, you look at Rafferty. Um, yeah, it's the little details in his team that still need to be worked out. Certainly the talent there, a uh, great puck-moving defenseman, completely uh, well-suited for today's game. Joey Keane, a little bit of the same type of player. But uh, Primo Primo's an interesting uh, selection simply because uh, I think really his whole career has been just really interesting to look at. Seventh-round pick. Uh, a goalie, uh, those are not players that you expect at uh, um, 20 years old to really come in and uh, take over uh, at times, like you mentioned. We um, uh, really start to find success. And, and he went through a very typical AHL season where there were some nights it looked really good and there were other really rocky nights. And um, hmm. that's the nature of this league. Um, the schedule will grind down even the best goalies, even veteran goalies. Uh, and, and he found that uh, it was his first real look at the pro game uh, after two years in college, uh, and, and it's tough. And he had that uh, obviously that much uh, much uh, documented uh, time with the Habs uh, and everything that uh, came with that. And uh, sometimes you see players come back, and uh, it takes a little bit of time to adjust, especially goalies. Uh, it's, a lot of goalies will tell you it's a, it's a much different game at this level. It's more scrambly, more unpredictable. Uh, players are not always uh, 100% of the time in position. So uh, you get a taste of that NHL, NHL style, and then you come down here, and um, it's 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 an adjustment. So uh, he had his moments that were uh, not great there in the second half, but uh, he's also a 20-year-old 20 year, 20 year goalie. 
Uh, there's plenty of potential there, and um, he just looks uh, really, really on track. Uh, good, good head on his shoulders. You speak with him, and you definitely get a sense of that. And um, yeah, this is a great building block. Uh, I think uh, it can be difficult with goalies and really young players in general that uh, they want to be in the NHL yesterday, but uh, uh, this is a position that generally takes two or three years sometimes. And uh, very few players, uh, especially at that position, are able to uh, make that jump quickly. So um, yeah, I think uh, for right now, um, the biggest challenge for him is just everything that's coming with this off season. Uh, what does it look like? Uh, what's the effect on training? Everything like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, for right now, uh, I think he's well-suited. Uh, you know, he's well ahead of the curve. Uh, and uh, when you think of a player that's, uh, you know, what the Habs uh, spent, which was all the seventh-round pick, uh, you know, I think they have every reason to be excited. Well, we certainly appreciate your insight on that and everything else that we discussed today, Patrick. Uh, you know, it's a it's a crazy time. I'm you're right. When we when we last spoke with you on this on this program back in January, I don't think any of us would have believed it if we had said that the next time we spoke, it would be under these kinds of conditions. So, no, <laughs> um, no, no, not at all. Um, we certainly hope you and your family are all safe and healthy uh, and remain that way. And uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us today. Uh, be sure to go follow Patrick on uh, Twitter. You can find him at P Williams NHL. Uh, he's a great follow uh, for, for everything surround, particularly uh, surrounding the AHL. Uh, and Patrick, we thank you again for joining us today. We, we, we really appreciate talking to you. Well, thank Thanks, you for Patrick. having me. I really enjoy the show a lot and uh, listen to it. And it's always fun to come on as well. Well, we, we certainly appreciate that, and, and we appreciate your support as well. So uh, everyone else, t- uh, stay right there. We're going to take one more quick commercial break, and on the other side, we're going to go beyond the AHL and give you a little bit of news about the ECHL and the OHL. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel, at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites, In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. 
Welcome back once again to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined once again by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And again, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the AHL Report. Uh, A big thank you once again to uh, our friend Patrick Williams for coming on and spending so much time with us there in that second segment. And Rick, we we did mention uh, his Twitter handle for folks to go follow him at PWilliamsNHL, but we would be remiss if we didn't also... Uh, give his podcast a plug. He and David Foote uh, from up in Belleville uh, put out a, a great program called Around the A podcast, and uh, you'll get all the information that you that you come to rely on from Patrick uh, and and friends there. Uh, and he they put out a great product uh, at the Around the A podcast. So make sure that you uh, check that out as well on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, Going beyond the AHL now, um, I feel like a lot of times we have this look in at the ECHL and the word Trois-Rivières is just (laughs) evergreen and it won't ever go away. Um, And this time, Rick, I hear you've got some news. It seems that in, in, in according with that, Mark Waitman has, has, popped his head up and reappeared on the scene in the Montreal hockey world in a sort well, of way. For our listeners who say Mark Waitman, Mark Waitman, where, where do I know that name from? Well, Mark mm-hmm. Waitman is quite a, a well-known um, um, hockey person or, or sports person, I guess, more generally in the Montreal area. Um, 22 years uh, with the Montreal Alouettes, including being, the Alouettes president, and then moved from uh, the Alouettes uh, to work with uh, the Laval Rocket and uh, was the president and also vice president of uh, operations at uh, Place Bell. Um, so he, we talked about um, him on this, uh, this uh, podcast earlier uh, this year. Uh, his last project was to bring the AHL All-Star Game uh, to Laval, uh, which he did, scheduled for next season. Um, and, um, and then he was moving on to, um, to other projects. And one of those projects, um, he's been scooped up, uh, as Dean McDonald, owner of the Newfoundland Growlers, uh, is known to do, and who is putting a proposal together for an ECHL franchise in Trois-Rivières, uh, Dean McDonald scooped up Marc-Andre Bergeron uh, when um, he left his position with Poirier, um and to join uh, his team. And now he's done the same with Mark Waitman, who will uh, act as a consultant uh, and brings lots of knowledge in operating a sports franchise, but also operate the management and operations of an arena. Um, and with the new arena, uh, a little delayed now because of, of uh, the coronavirus in its construction, but set to be ready uh, to be unveiled uh, in the next few months. Um, uh, certainly, Mark Waitman is the kind of person you want on your team. Um, as Dean McDonald makes this proposal and tries to win the hearts of uh, the residents and city council of uh, Trois-Rivières, but most importantly, the mayor, and that's Jean Lamarche, who still has his... Um, his site set on having a, a, a Q team there, uh, but uh, may have to settle for a uh, ECH um, 
which would we're assuming um, hint hint be a, 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 an affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens, although. Uh, Montreal is saying they're staying um, at arm's length of this uh, of this proposal, but that's that's how it's supposed to work out. But as we've seen, there's been ups and downs and turns and twists and and a bit of a roller coaster in Trois-Rivières. It's the saga that will never end. I I it's like I'm at the point where I will believe it when I see it. <laughs> Oh my goodness, it changes constantly. So it'll add another chapter to the ongoing saga uh, with Mark Waitman on board now. Uh, Flipping over to the OHL, uh, there were some uh, announcements of some honors that were were handed out um, as far as the OHL's season goes. And uh, there's a couple of players that you wanted to be sure to, to make mention of. I do. Um, Nico Dawes, um, goaltender, has uh, won the Jim Rutherford uh, Goalie of the Year for the OHL. Had a great season. Uh, played 38 games, a record of 23-8, 3-3. Goals against of 248 and a 924 save percentage with five shutouts. Um, this is a this is a fascinating story. Plays for the Gulf Storm. Um, he um, only got into um, just 20 games in the, uh, in the uh, 2018-19 season. Now, that's the season where Guelph um, went to the OHL cha- and won the OHL championship with the aforementioned Isaac Radcliffe uh, and also Nick Suzuki. Um, and uh, so not getting into as many games as he'd like. Last summer, um, he thought that... Uh, um, he would uh, train heavily and uh, search for, uh, and, and try to land that number one spot. So he lost himself 30 pounds over the summer, um, wow. became lighter, more nimble, and had an absolutely great season. Um, now this, he's going to be, uh, he is draft eligible. He was, he was uh, bypassed uh, his first uh, eligible time last year. Uh, but currently, uh, by Central Scouting, he's the top-ranked goaltender for the, the 2020 draft. Um, and he follows on the footsteps. Uh, this award uh, was won in 2016 by Mackenzie Blackwood, who we know, mm-hmm. uh, Michael mm-hmm. McNiven in, uh, for Owen Sound in 2017, All right. um, Michael DiPietro, who had a great s- season with Utica um, yeah. uh, in, in his rookie season, um, uh, this past year, and your favorite, your perennial favorite, Uko Pekalukkanen, who won Uko Pekalukkanen the, the award last year. <laughs> well, that's some pretty good company to be keeping, uh, and uh, congratulations to him on that for sure. And I'll quickly mention um, uh, the defenseman of the year in the OHL, the Max Kaminsky uh, Trophy goes to uh, Noel Hoffenmeyer uh, from the Ottawa 67s. Um, he was an overager, um, originally drafted in 2017 by the Arizona Coyotes in the fourth round, um, but most recently, um, at the beginning of April, was signed um, by the Toronto Marlies uh, to a two-year mm. contract. Uh, so good on the Marlies. Uh, they got a, a, a good, good one there. Um, Noah, uh, Noah had a Noel had a great season uh, with the 67s, 
and is a fine addition to uh, the Marley's Blue Line. Excellent. We love to hear all these things happening, um, some interesting ha- things happening, signings elsewhere. Um, and don't forget, you know, right now you might, some some folks might say, well, it's the OHL. Like it's, I, I, I'm not familiar with these people. Well, eventually, someday, names like Ukopekalukinen or DiPietro, uh, those, those guys will soon become more household names as they as they make it to the AHL and potentially even the NHL. So that's that's one of the reasons why we bring you this kind of information uh, on this podcast as well as to really just start to get you familiar with the the up and coming names uh, that you're probably going to hear a lot more often in in coming years. So uh, really great to to hear some insight on those things and congratulations to them on their honors. Uh, the last thing that we will mention today, of course, we can't say goodbye to you. This was such a packed show, but we can't say goodbye without giving you a little uplifting story. Our feel-good finale uh, is actually a, a two-parter um, today. Uh, first, I must I must mention uh, this little story that I found, which is um, in Thailand, in Bangkok, there's... Um, Apparently, some of their as they as they're starting to reopen, uh, there's a social distancing rule that a certain restaurant had to limit its customers to just one person per table in their restaurant in order to enforce the social distancing rules. But customers were feeling a little lonely eating by themselves, and so the owners found gigantic stuffed panda bears and put one at every table. So that when you sit down to eat by yourself, you at least have a gigantic panda friend to All sit right. with you. It's, uh, some creativity there, let me tell you. But the the real story, the real feel good finale for today, I love this. Uh, there's um, a street, and I I must say I don't know where this is located, uh, but there's this video that's circulating. Um, and there's a residential street, lots of little driveways leading out to the road, and uh, there's road construction happening. Uh, there's, it looks like they're they're repaving the shoulder of the road, and so there's a you know really big bobcat kind of front end loader down at the end of the street that's has already ripped up all the asphalt, so it's just nothing but a big long strip of dirt down the entire street. There's a big pile of dirt at one end, and they're moving. They're moving dirt around. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's a nice sunny day, and these two youngsters are playing at the very end of their driveway, and they have their construction trucks and their dump trucks kind of just over their driveway in, in the patch of dirt, and they're, they're playing with their construction trucks as the big construction trucks go back and forth. Well, this heavy machine operator took a little moment to scoop up some of his dirt from the pile and as he drove by, he made sure the kids had their dump trucks lined up and he transferred some of his dirt appropriately from his front end loader into the back of the kids' dump trucks and absolutely just made their day because obviously then they were helping on the construction site. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was it brought them so much joy that their little miniature trucks got to uh, get a – they received a load of dirt from, from the big guys and uh, – brought some smiles to everybody's faces and we just love to see stuff like that making smiles wherever we can um rick this was a great show today 
maybe, maybe next week we'll get to top five. But not being able to get to top five just means that we've got a lot of hockey news to talk about, and we're really excited about that. So uh, this was a this was a really great show today, and uh, looking forward to it again. And we just want to say thank you, thank you for uh, continuing to. Uh, listen to us and and mm-hmm. uh, and to to um, interact with us, and we always appreciate hearing from you, whether it be on Twitter, whether it be on Facebook, uh, or uh, you know you can always send us an email or uh, text the Rocket Sports text line at five eight five three Rocket, and we're always glad to hear um, your comments, your questions, uh, and your feedback. As we mentioned earlier, uh, be sure to keep your eye on AHLReport.com or our Twitter account for those posts that are going to come out uh, this week with the full audio from all of those media calls that we were on. Also, be sure, uh, if you're a Habs fan, make sure you tune in to um, Rick and Joe Whalen's live podcast this Saturday afternoon, uh, next episode of Canadians Connection. That'll be uh, live at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so be sure you uh, tune in for that as well. Uh, and if you miss it or you want to go back and listen uh, to previous episodes, just search for Rocket Sports Radio on your favorite podcast platform and you'll find us and all of our collective archived podcast episodes. And that should tide you over until we meet you again, right back here again next week for another great episode of From the Press Box. Thanks so much for joining us. Be safe, be well, and we'll see you back here next week. Enjoy. And keep on wishing Remember your dream is your only scheme So keep on 